Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. How did you get where you're at right now? The faithfulness of God. How did I get here instead of in a hospital pharmacy, managing a hospital pharmacy? The faithfulness of God. Don't forget it. God is faithful. There's no one like our God. On our journey, we cannot forget the faithfulness of God. Let me just tell you this. He has never failed you in your life. Who deserves credit for all of the blessings and good in your life today? Only God. Today, Pastor Mark will encourage listeners to recognize that it is God's faithfulness that provides and strengthens even in the hardest of times. Often in this world, we like to take credit for the good and blame God for the bad. That logic is reversed. Our Lord cannot do wrong. His promises are true and He will not fail you. Have you had a heart of gratefulness towards the Lord? Without His steady provision in every area of your life, you wouldn't be where you are today. Thank Him for that. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues in the book of Ephesians with part eight in his series entitled Unlimited Opportunities. These things happen to them as, say it with me, examples, same word again, and were written down as, circle the word, warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of ages has come. So what is Paul trying to say to us? He's giving us an understanding of God's word. The Bible was given to us, Old Testament and New Testament, to teach us how to do life right. And as we go through it, we see people, and they're just like us. These happen to be Jewish people. They're just like you. Most of us are Gentiles. We have some Jews. Most of us, they're just like us. Black, white, yellow, green, orange, purple, who cares? We're all the same. We're people. We're sinners. We need direction. God saved us, and we're on a journey. And so what he says is, As you read the Bible, Paul says, there's going to be examples. You're going to look at these people and go, I don't want to make, uh, that's not, that's not, I'm not going to do that. I won't do it that way. And then you're going to see other things. When you see the result of them disobeying God, it's a warning to us. Now, if, if you think you can get away with it, take a look. You can't get away with it. We don't read the Bible as history. It's filled with history. I'm going to give you history today. We don't read the Bible for information. We have information. I'll give you information. Context is critical. We read the Bible for transformation, for transformation, so I can learn from good and bad examples, 
So you want to write this next statement because this is the whole key. Romans 15.4 kind of summarizes what I just said to you. Notice what it says. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So we're students. Students are to learn. So that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. So first thing is, God is going to speak to you personally. Second thing is, God's going to speak to you for our personal application. It's not history. You go, wow, I didn't know that happened in the upper room. That's really cool. Good. Do it. Study it. Ask the questions. Answer it. Research it. But then, as you're reading, you want to do this. God, what are you, what are you saying to me here? God, what, what do you want me to know with that? And God, is there something that I should be doing right there. You see, as we go through that, God is going to speak to you. Now, a husband and a wife, if they're going to be, they're going to be doing it, God will speak different things to you. Your kids will speak different things. It would be good to get together in the evening, just hang out a little bit and say, what did, what did God say to you today? Now, some days it won't be anything, you know, life-shattering, but some days it'll be it. Let me give you an idea. You're struggling. You're worrying. People are laying off. Don't know how you're going to survive. Boom, boom, boom. And you go through Matthew, and you get to Matthew 6. And God says, don't worry. Some of us that are short, the Bible says, can you add height to you? I've always taken that as a personal verse. <laughs> I can't add anything to my five foot seven, except in heaven, 6'11". You know it. <laughs> but then he goes on and he says this. What are you worried about? Look at the birds. And maybe as you're studying that, there's a bird that goes by. You're in the backyard listening. Now, is that bird going, oh, I don't know if there's any worms tomorrow morning to see. <laughs> then he says, if I care for the birds, how much more do I care for you? So what's he going to say to me? Stop worrying. Well, I don't see the outcome. Hello, that's where faith comes. And so it's going to build our faith. You get it? See, the Word of God is alive. And so is God. And for some of you, this is going to be life-changing because you've never really taken that as God speaking directly to you. Now, as we go through this journey, there's a great verse you need to see, and then this is our third point. Psalms 119.105 says it like this. Your word, the Bible, it's a lamp to my feet, and it lights, lightens up the path in front of me. You see, we're on this thing called life, a journey. We don't know where to go tomorrow. So during these next 40 days, there's going to be decisions you're going to need to make. There's things that are going to come up, and you're going to say, should I go to the right? Should I left? Should I do nothing? All that's going to come. But what's the third point? Here's the third point. God's word, as we go through it, will produce faith for the journey. Now, if it produces faith for the journey, that simply means there's going to be unlimited opportunities for me. God's going to open up all kinds of doors for you and I uh, to minister to other people, to be the hands, the feet, the, the mouth, and the heart, have the heart of Jesus. So as we do it, we're going to hear God speak. He's going to speak to us personal things for us, and then that word is just going to rise up faith. We can really trust God, and we're going to step out and do some things that please God. Now, if you will, turn in your Bibles to that passage where God said to turn, Numbers 13. Numbers 13, and we'll go through that quickly. 
We'll begin in a few moments in verse 17. Now, let me give you a little history so you kind of understand what's going to happen. God made covenant promises, which means they were unconditional from God. He was going to do it. God made unconditional promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, I'm going to give you a land called the promised land. Today, we know it by Canaan, the promised land in Israel. So he said to the children of Israel, I'm going to get you on this journey. And we kind of pick it up after the Exodus, where they've been in, in Egypt for 400 years in bondage. And Moses comes, and he's a deliverer. You know all about that story. Well, they're on this journey now to the, to the promised land. And they're really here. Watch me. If this is the promised land, they're on the verge of going into the promised land. It's been promised since the days of Abraham. They're on the verge of going for the very first time. All, none of these people have ever seen the promised land. It's been 400 years since any Israel person had been in the promised land. They're on the verge of going in. And God had a plan for them to go in. And you see, as we go through this, God's going to have a plan for you. You're going to be on the verge of making decisions next 40 days, as we do all through a whole life. And he's, you're going to learn principles from what we see from these guys. In the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see it on the overhead here in a second. Look, this is Moses kind of giving us a history of on the verge of going into the land and what they did. Notice what it says. Look, he, who is God, he has placed the land in front of you. They're on the verge. They can see it. They're ready to go in. And notice what God says. Go and occupy the land. It is as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Go, take the land. It's the promised land. I've already given it to you. Don't worry about what's in there. We'll take care of that later. Go. So what's that going to require? A step of faith. Just go. Then he says this. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. That's God's plan. They're on the verge. All right, go right into the land. I'll guide you. Now, here's the next thing. Notice the word but. We'll see but a lot today. But you came to me, Moses says, the people, let's state all of our campuses, you're the children of Israel. You came to me, I'm Moses, and you said to me, uh, first, we don't want to do that. Let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take in which towns we should enter. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you like to take the word of scouts or the word of God? Which you think could look at the land and tell you which way to go? For sure, God. And here's the problem. Look at verse 23. This seemed like a good idea to me. Who's speaking? Moses. And so I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. Here's what happened. God's plan was to what? Go. He allowed them to do this. He allowed them to take 12 spies. God allowed it. It was not his plan. And I was thinking about this a lot yesterday. I don't know why I never thought it before. And I, I don't know the whole biblical thing of this, but just think about this for a moment. They never get into the promised land. And Moses never sees the promised land. He sees it. He never gets into it. What if Moses at that point would have said, no, 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 time out. I know you want to send spies, but God's already told us to go. So I'm your leader. We're going. If Moses would have said that, all the people would have entered, and Moses would have entered the promised land. So what do we have with Moses? Missed opportunity. So you don't want God's second plan. You want God's 
first plan. So don't try to talk them out of it. Now, what happens? Look at verse 17. You see it. All the way through 17 and 20 is the very same thing I just told you. They go and, and they send it out. Are the people weak? Are they strong? Is the land good? Is it bad? Is it fertile? Is there, is there fruit there? Come back and prove it to me. So all through this, they're going up there to see if they can actually have enough faith to go and walk into the land. But something else I learned as I was studying this week that I'd forgotten. When God first came to Moses, and he was out in the wilderness, remember he'd failed God, and God says, I'm going to send you to Egypt through the plagues, through the Red Sea, to get the people to the promised land. He told Moses what the land was already like. Let me read it to you. And just write it down. You can look it up later. Exodus 3.8. This is way before this. Notice what God says. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. So before Moses even understands anything, God says, the land is amazing. It's fruitful. It's very productive. So why do I need to send spies to see if it's fruitful? God already knew it was. Moses already knew it was. But he didn't trust God. Not only is the land amazingly productive, but then God says to Moses way early on, oh, by the way, when you get there, there's all kind of enemies, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Isn't it interesting that God had already told Moses the land would be awesome, fruitful, and productive, but there would be enemies in the land. Now, that's where we have to clarify something. In the old days in church, when people talked about the promised land, Israel, they talked about it being heaven. It was a type of heaven. It is not heaven. When you get to heaven, there's no parasites there. There's no Hivites there. There's no West Melbourneites there unless you're saved. There's no enemy. There's no Satan in heaven. There's only good. So what is the promised land? It's the spirit-filled life. It's the life that God wants for. Fruitful, we'll talk about this next week, fruitful and very productive. So what is God saying to Moses early on? He's saying this next statement, and I want you to write it down, and I'll explain to you what's going to happen to you the next 40 days. Following Jesus, following God, always includes spiritual warfare. But you don't have to be fearful because God wins. So what he's saying is the land is fabulous, but there's going to be trouble in the land. Well, how about you and I? We have any trouble in the land? You have any trouble in your life? You have any spiritual warfare in your life? Absolutely. Here's here's what I want you to understand. The longer you serve God, the more you know this. Life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. There's always an enemy, Satan, out to discourage us. Well, look down to verse 25. At the end of these 40 days, they come back. Verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, and, and they reported to them and the whole assembly. In other words, all the people were there, and they showed them the fruit of the land. Remember, they brought those big grapes. Some of you remember from Sunday school, just two guys in this big pole with huge grapes. Just amazing. Verse 27. Then they gave Moses his account. Man, we went into the land. You sent us. And wow, it does flow with milk and honey. In other words, it's very fertile. Here's the few, here's the fruit. Grapes, pomegranates, and figs. It's unbelievable, Moses. Wow, what a place God's got for us. 
What's verse 28 start with? You think something else is coming. Exactly. So we're going to have a good report, then we're going to have a bad report. Notice verse 28. But the people who live there, they're powerful. Cities are fortified. They're large. The descendants of Ancon, Amakites, Trials, Negev, Hittites, Jebusites, Hill Country. Ah! That's what they're saying. It's great land, but we'll never accomplish this because the people there are huge. And the walls, the cities, they're all fortified. We're useless. We're not soldiers. It, it isn't going to happen. So what they do is they start spreading fear. God is out of the formula. Well, some young man steps up. Look at verse 30. Then Caleb, one of the 12 spies, or 12 spies, 10 said don't. Caleb and another man named Joshua were the good spies. They saw it, and notice what Caleb said. He silenced the people. Because you can hear the people going, oh, God brought us to you, man, you travel. We're not going to that. We were better off back in Egypt. This is ridiculous. Kill the guys. Get rid of Moses. What's he doing? Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. See, Caleb had faith. Because it was not Caleb. It was God. It was the promised land. It wasn't the possible land. So after he makes this, you would say, yeah, the two guys are, gave a great, thrilling speech. What's verse 31 start with? Here we go again. But the men who had gone up, the ten, with him said, no way, Jose. We cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we. And then verse 32, you see what really happens. And that word spread among the millions of Israelites, the bad report. And so pretty soon, you hear this, and here's what happens. We're seeing it overseas now in a country. A little bit of fear, a little <laughs> spreads everywhere. So all of you in Melbourne, in, in Vieira, in East Orlando, and, and, and down there in Sebastian, all of you, you hear the bad report and go, yeah, we're with you, you guys. We're not going in that, that place. They'll kill us. They'll devour us. We're not going in. In fact, look at the last verse there. We look like grasshoppers to them. And we look like grasshoppers to ourselves. What do you do to a grasshopper? <laughs> Squash. Now, what's going to happen to these people? It's going to be amazing. But notice what happened. This is the majority. Sometimes you, you and I think the majority is going to win. The majority is sometimes right. Sometimes the majority is definitely not right. I just want to say this to you. As you're trying to determine God's will in your life, it's good to get advice from other people. It's fine. Proverbs tells us to do that. But bottom line, you have to hear God speak to you. He's the majority. Just listen to him. He will speak to you. Why am I teaching you Numbers 13 today? Did you get a little thing in the mail this week that says the pastor's trying to decide to go to Philippians or 13? Would you please vote? <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what kind of thing I got back. I'm tired of the opportunity thing. Would you please go? No, I listen to who? The boss. But I want to give you three keys off of this teaching. Here's three. Write them down. Number one, do remember the past faithfulness of God to you. Do remember the past faithfulness of God to you. See, these people had short memories. These people had short memories. Watch me. Watch me. Look at this. This is very important. They're on the verge of getting into the promised land. They're on the edge of Israel. Let me ask you a question. How'd they get there? A few weeks before, where were they? 
They were hundreds of miles away in where? Egypt. And they were in bondage. And they had no chance. They'd been there 400 years. How did they get to the edge of the promised land? Well, Moses came. God sent a deliverer. The plagues came. The Passover came. We'll celebrate that in a moment at communion. They went to the Red Sea. The Red Sea opened up. Who opened it up? Did they open it up? Did they build a bridge through there? No, God opened it up. As they went through these last few days, who fed them? Who gave them water? Who provided miracles for them? Sun, and at, by day, a cloud of direction. By night, fire. Who directed them to the verge of this? God. But here they are, and God says, go, and they go, why? They forgot the faithfulness of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you forgot the faithfulness of God? How did you get where you're at right now? The faithfulness of God. How did I get here instead of in a hospital pharmacy, managing a hospital pharmacy? The faithfulness of God. Don't forget it. God is faithful. There's no one like our God. On our journey, we cannot forget the faithfulness of God. Let me just tell you this. He has never failed you in your life. Number two, what do I learn from this? It's not history. Number two, do focus on God's promises and not on your problems. That's a hard one. The leaders began to focus on the difficulties and the problems, the walled cities, the tall people. They were walking by sight, not by faith. They had taken their eyes off God and placed their eyes on the circumstances and their own human strength. They looked at themselves without God. They saw themselves useless, small, and with no hope, like grasshoppers. Here we sit this morning. Is your focus on God's promises or the problem you face? Professor Mark, if you knew my problem... It doesn't matter. There's nothing too difficult for God. Nothing. Number three, do believe God's word and step out in faith and obedience. You see, God said go. It's the promised land. It's yours. Over and over and over again for generations, he said, it's yours. It's not the possible land. It's the promised land. Why? Because God has provided everything we need. He would have taken them in at that moment, and the whole Bible would be very different. But they missed it because they did not believe God's Word. Believe it. Get it in your spirit. Following Jesus always includes spiritual warfare, but God always wins. How do we know that? Because his word says so, and it empowers us. Today we learn from Pastor Mark the importance of being in God's word, because when under its influence, we have unlimited opportunities. The storms of this life don't seem so daunting when our faith is in the one who created all. Grow your faith today by being intentional about God's word. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Life is not just a destination. Life is a journey. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will share some key principles to take with us on this journey called life. To go forward in life without God is guaranteed failure. To go forward in life with God is guaranteed success. God is for you today, so why would you ever try to do life without Him? Don't miss the opportunity of leaving a great impact on this life with God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have-